Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Spencer Tuma, Director of National Legislative Programs. Today, we're really excited to be joined in person for the first time in a long time uh, by Congressman Blaine Lutkemeyer. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Spencer, for having me. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, well, it's really great to see you in person. It's It's been too long. I'm, I'm excited that you were able to be here with us today and uh, really just excited to get an update on what's going on in Washington. So I'll let you take it away. Well, as you well know, uh, if you've been watching the news at all, there's a lot of things going on, whether it's uh, legislatively, whether it's uh, stuff at the border with immigration, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the proposals that deal with taxes, um, you know, uh, every, everything is, is out there. The executive orders that, uh, you know, President Biden has issued and, and some of them to uh, undo some of the previous administration's actions, uh, I think, are going to be harmful. Um, so, I mean, you know, everything is, uh, is going on right now that uh, we can talk about here, but uh, whatever's on your mind and interest to your listeners is more than what I would like to talk about, too. Sure. Well, I really appreciate that, and there's certainly a lot of issues, no shortage of issues to discuss right now. I guess the first question, though, since you brought it up, I know, you know, you've served in Congress for many years and have served under multiple administrations. What would you say is, is the most challenging part whenever any new administration takes office? And I guess, are there any unique challenges in the Biden administration? Administration that you face so far. Well, every administration wants to put their mark on whatever they uh, they deem to be the most important issue, and um, you know this particular administration has, uh, with the House being in Democrat hands and with the Senate being split with the mm-hmm. uh, Vice President casting a signing vote, uh, giving them the ability over there as well to um, uh, you know, legislate. Uh, they are wanting to try and run as much as they can across the table right now with their own agenda and have been doing that. Um, when I guess to the Senate over there, there's uh, the rule of 60 with regards to filibuster and uh, that minimizes what they can do with regards to um, uh, legislative actions. However, uh, with reconciliation, which mm-hmm. is a unique uh, type of uh, uh, process over there, they can get it done with 51. Uh, if it's a revenue-generating type of bill or some actual uh, revenue uh, items in the bill itself. So mm-hmm. when you see things like uh, the $1.9 trillion uh, so-called rescue plan that the president proposed, the administration uh, got through the House uh, rather quick, easily because of it's controlled by the Democrats. It got to the Senate. It took 51 votes to get it done, mm-hmm. and they did it through reconciliation because as most of it was uh, – and, in fact, they had to clear, you know, clean out some things in the bill, for instance, the minimum wage – was in there. They took it out because it didn't uh, produce um, a revenue for the federal government uh, with regards to the way that the criteria were for reconciliation. Now, they've, they've, since then, they passed a bill that dealt with um, a gun control, mm-hmm. and they passed um, uh, a bill the other day that um, actually one of the bills that I passed, which was uh, dealing with PPP, yep. and those bills had to go through the Senate. One is not going to go anywhere because of the Rule 60. The other one passed because it did get 60 votes. And so I think you'll see that continue for the rest of the session here. Uh, if it's a bill that makes bipartisan sense, it'll probably have a good chance to get through the Senate and uh, it can become law. If it's something that's very partisan, uh, such as the gun control situation, uh, no, it won't make it. And it will die in, in the Senate um, in the, the back rooms, <laughs> dusty halls of right. the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> the, you mentioned the rule of 60, and so we've heard a lot of headlines and seen a lot of information coming out of the administration on the new infrastructure package. I think they're referring it to it as the American Jobs Plan. I'm not really sure where they come up with that name, but um, talk to me about why they are thinking of moving the infrastructure bill through reconciliation, and, and what implications does that have in Congress? 
Yeah, they, uh, if it's a jobs plan, it's kind of curious because they haven't got a single estimate of a job created with that plan yet. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see once where it goes. Um, at this point, uh, Sam Graves, who is our congressman of Northeast Missouri, he's our leading Republican on the Transportation Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thinks that they will divide the bill in two and okay. have a separate tax bill uh, and then have a separate infrastructure bill. Uh, but the infrastructure bill they're proposing right now actually – is uh, only 25% infrastructure, and the rest of it is for other things such as Medicaid expansion, uh, building electric charging stations for electric cars, and the list goes on. But 25% of it is some pretty good stuff, quite frankly. I I think that uh, there's probably a a lot of support on both sides of the aisle for roads and bridges and ports and broadband and Mm -hmm. airports and things like that. But uh, the balance of the bill is 75%. Um, other things, uh, in fact, to give you an idea, just how loaded it is with other stuff, they use the word climate 20 times in the bill. Oh my. And they use the word highway trust fund zero times. Now, this is a highway bill that you're sitting there hoping to build roads and bridges with and has the highway trust fund mentioned zero times. Um, so it really, it, you really question what they're trying to do here. It really questioned the authenticity of their of their desire to try to be helpful with a with an infrastructure bill. But um, you know, we'll we'll you know keep an open mind with regards to that part of the bill. I think uh, there's a lot of support for it, but you know, the balance of the bill is uh, is a disaster in my mind. And so we'll see. We'll see once where it goes. It's still in the proposal stages. Uh, it's got a long way to go to become mm-hmm. law. But um, they're trying to work uh, the tax portion of this bill right now. Uh, through the Senate parliamentarian to make sure that they can do this through reconciliation. And they've trimmed off a couple things uh, so far, but they've actually given them a thumbs up to do most of what they want to do, which, to my mind, if they raise taxes, is going to be a disaster because most of the think tanks that have looked at this say it's going to be uh, harmful to our economy. It's going to cost jobs. Um, uh, if you raise the corporate rate uh, to 29%, which is being proposed, it's going to cost a million small businesses probably uh, – their 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 ability to be in business, if not for sure, cost them a whole lot more money because there's a a million uh, C corp type small businesses. So it's 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 to me it's it's going to be very harmful. It's been you know almost four years now, but it seems like just <coughs> yesterday we were all working with the Trump administration to pass one of the largest tax cuts in in modern history. Um, particularly, you know, of, of interest to our members, we hear a lot about the estate tax and stepped-up basis and, and all of those different provisions that now seem to be under fire from the Biden administration. What are you hearing on the estate tax in Congress? That's certainly, a, I've, I've taken a lot of calls this week on that particular mm-hmm. issue. Well, there's there's a number of proposals out there, in spite of what uh, some of the, the press will have you think that, that there's only one, but there are several proposals that are out there that are running around right now. But all of them are going to be harmful, I think. To mm-hmm. they're going to restructure the estate tax, whether it's uh, lowering the uh, the deductible portion before you start paying taxes or uh, raising the rates. Uh, you know, it, it, there's there's a different combination on every different level. Mm-hmm. But the idea, I, I think, the bottom line is that the idea is that they want to uh, use death as a taxable event. Uh, they believe that uh, it should be, and they think this is one more uh, lick they can get at someone before they pass. It's, it's, it's a deep pocket sort of situation. They know there's some money there, mm-hmm. and so they're going to go after it. And it's unfortunate because most people you know, spend a lifetime building up their farm or their small business, and to see it have to pass 
to the government instead of to the uh, their, their family members is very disheartening. Absolutely. It's certainly a big concern for our members, many of whom, as you mentioned, have multi-generations of their family and, and look to pass that on to their children and grandchildren in the future. Um, there's certainly no shortage of issues going on in Washington, but how are things in your district? What are you hearing from folks, and what do you think are the biggest concerns folks in your district have, kind of as it stands today? Well, I think here in Missouri as a whole, we're doing well. Uh, the mm-hmm. pandemic is easing, and I think that really has uh, put some smiles back on people's faces. Kids, most of the, to, generally speaking, are back at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, most businesses are open. Uh, some in the cities are, are still a little bit on lockdown. But uh, my district in particular, I think we're doing well. Um, you know, the, the biggest problem we probably have right now is is employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, the $300 check that uh, people get in addition to their unemployment is a disincentive to go back to work. And I had a, and the stimulus checks are disincentives for people to go to work. And I'll give you a quick example. I've got a, a, a guy who's a, a constituent of mine. He's got a big, uh, he's a construction guy, a big project going mm-hmm. on right now in Illinois. And the day after the stimulus checks came out, he had 25% of his people not show up for work. Oh, my gosh. So I think it, it goes to show the effect that these programs can have. Uh, people don't think they have an effect, but they do. It's significant. Uh, employers right now are having a real problem trying to find employees mm-hmm. uh, because of this $300 check. I mean, it's $7 and a half to stay home yep. uh, on top of your unemployment insurance that you're drawing. So a lot of people are staying home rather than go to work. Uh, financially, they're better off. So it, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, I was told people, as I was going through the process here, we need to find a way to incentivize people to work, mm-hmm. not to incentivize them to stay home. And I think the the, the process is is backwards here from what we should have how we should have structured this. And as I was going through this, I, I lost the argument, obviously. But to me, it would have been a good way to go about this, um, so that the employees would be incentivized to go to work, and the employers would have an employee then. Mm-hmm. And everybody was a win-win situation. But right now, this is the biggest problem we have: is employers being find able to find employees to be able to you know build their products and provide the products and services that they want to want to sell. And I think that's going to really um, dampen our economy's growth potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our economy is still going to grow quite well uh, over the next several months, but it could be even better if we had more people to work um, and, and more, you know, producing more products and, and providing more services. But because uh, people are there wanting to buy these products and services, uh, but not yet able to do it. Um, I'll give you an example. The supply chain, I think, is broken right now as a result of this. You know, my refrigerator broke at my own personal home. Mm-hmm. It took six weeks to get a part for it. Um, they didn't have it in, you know, on hand, but mm-hmm. it took six weeks to get it. Uh, it's sorts, those sort of things that are going to, I think, drag out the, the, the robust economy that we could have compared to, I think, what we will have. But the check runs out in September, so I think after that, uh, the you know, pandemic will be hopefully behind us by that time, and the check will go away, and people will be back to normal, and mm-hmm. hopefully our economy will be back roaring like it was prior to the pandemic. It's really been devastating to small businesses for so many reasons. And I know you serve as ranking member on the House Small Business Committee. What work has the committee been doing, I guess, that's related to the pandemic, but also as you look to kind of move out of the pandemic, what are some things the committee is going to be focusing on? Well, we're finishing up the PPP program, which has been very helpful to a lot of small businesses and farmers as well. I realize there's a glitch in it for some farmers based on their their uh, business structure, mm-hmm. how they're filed with a C Corp or an S Corp or ever, a partnership, whatever. But uh, generally, that's been a pretty good program for everybody. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a bridge from uh, the disaster that we had to hopefully getting people back into in, up and running again. And I think it's been successful at that. There's a couple other programs uh, SBA has. 
uh, that are in place right now. One's the Emergency uh, Disaster Loan Program, as as well as some new programs that are going in, which are the restaurant program and the venue program, which takes care of uh, movie theaters and folks like that, that are getting ready to go in. Um, I'm very concerned about that. As the ranking member on the committee, my job is to over, provide the oversight over these over these these programs and. It, quite frankly, is very alarming to me um, because I got a report that just came out uh, a week before last that I was privy to that from the inspector general. It shows there's a lot of fraud as a mm-hmm. result of um, identity theft in these uh, programs. And uh, the other two that are up and running here shortly, yeah, they'll be, the, be run and operated the same way as the uh, idle program. And as a result, I'm very concerned. I've had conversations with uh, new Administrator Guzman about this to try and convince her to change the process mm-hmm. to keep this from happening. And so far, she's been reluctant to work with me on it, but we're not going to give up. We're going to keep pushing and enlist a lot of uh, my uh, cohorts on both sides of the aisle to be able to push on this because this is, again, a bipartisan issue. Fraud is something we should not uh, allow. Mm-hmm. It's got to be alleviated, and it's, it's, a, non, it's, a, it's a nonpartisan issue. So we're, we'll keep pushing. Good deal. Well, I have to say, particularly on Paycheck Protection Program, big shout out to you and also to your staff in D.C. and in the district. I've I've taken a lot of calls from farmers with questions about paycheck protection, and I think Megan in your office has me on speed dial right now because she's been working those issues hard for us. So uh, kudos to all of you for, for helping us out with that. Congressman, as we wrap up our time today, I know you've got a busy schedule while you're back here in the district for the district work period. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with as we kind of get ready here for planting? season and move on into warmer weather? Well, I think, you know, it's been a rough year for everybody uh, this past uh, 12 months. And I think that, you know, the American spirit is great. Um, mm-hmm. This is why we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get through this. We're going to be better for it. We're going to learn lessons from this so that this happens again. We'll be ready for it. Um, you know, the farming community is always one that's very resilient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be fine. Uh, yes, it's been some tough times, but uh, the resiliency of our people, the resiliency of the industry is such that I think we're going to be down the road. We're going to be OK. Still continue to provide the, the best, the cheapest and safest uh, food in the world for our, our own citizens and the rest of the world as well. Uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm excited about uh, where we're headed because I think the underpinnings of the economy are still there. As long as we don't raise taxes and, and increase regulations, we can have a good, robust rebound from this, and everybody is going to be successful as a result of that. So um, the American spirit is wi- alive and well as I go around my district and here in Missouri, and I'm excited for the future. With well, that, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. Thank you, Congressman. Great seeing you.